You know, it's that loose gravel rolling under your tires as you come into the corner. It can feel unpredictable, like you're never quite sure when that front tire is going to slide out from underneath your bike. And that's unnerving for even the best riders. Throw in there the heavy adventure bike and the stress levels just climb. Well, thankfully, there is a method that will very likely change the way you feel about gravel corners. On this program, our rider skills, you're going to learn how to corner confidently in gravel. You're going to pick up some key tips as well, like when to sit down and when to stand and how your bike design will affect that decision, standing or sitting. You'll also pick up things like why peg weighting matters and how leverage comes into play with peg weighting and how the dirt and asphalt corner differ and why the two shall probably never meet. That's all on our exclusive rider skills program today with adventure trainer and racer Chris Birch. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vince. Simon Pavey. Brian Field. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Elspeth Jansen. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. Cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Rider Skills is an exclusive program we developed here at Adventure Rider Radio designed to give you the tools that you can use to improve your riding skills both on and off the road. They're not meant to be, of course, a substitute for professional training. These are ideas and concepts that should you choose to try, you're doing so at your own risk. Now, you can't avoid riding gravel, even if you stick to pavement all the time or you plan to, which I seriously doubt you do. Every road rider ends up surprised by gravel at some point. Sometimes they'll get to turn around. Other times they may not be able to because they're going through a construction zone. Anyway, I'm sure you ride gravel. And gravel comes in in many variations and mixtures, some deep, some not so deep. Of course, deeper gravel is always more challenging. Lighter gravel, maybe not so much. But the gravel corner at speed man, that can raise the hair on the back of your neck. And it should, because it's a corner that leaves little room for error. It requires a proper technique and methods to complete under control and and with confidence, really. And and that's the big part of it with all of the things that we do, all the skills that we learn on motorcycles. um, Confidence is, is key. And of course, you need those skills to be confident. So for our rider skills today, we have Chris Birch from New Zealand. Chris has ridden since he was a kid. He's a diehard rider. He rides all the back roads and trails in New Zealand year round. So sun or hard rain and deep mud, which is what you get in New Zealand. He's out there riding. Chris is well known around the world for his his incredible riding ability. He is an eight times New Zealand enduro champion, three time winner of the Roof of Africa, an incredible race. He's been on the Red Bull Romaniacs podium seven times. He's also ridden the Dakar And since 2007, Chris has been a KTM ambassador. He spends much of his time teaching riders from all around the world how to improve their riding skills, much like we're going to do today. Hi, I'm Chris Birch. I'm from New Zealand. Uh, I'm an adventure bike rider, motorcycle coach, dirt bike rider, pretty much just a, a lifelong motorcycle addict. Chris, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you very much. It's, it's always good to be here. Well, I think it's first thing in the morning for you right now, but you're in wintertime, correct? Yeah, we're in a New Zealand version of wintertime, which I, you know, I don't like it. It's wet, it's cold, but it's nothing compared to a North American, Canadian, you know, European winter. So I have to be careful how much complaining I do, but it is wintertime. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's almost just an official season, isn't it, with a little extra rain and a little extra mud, I guess, for you. We definitely, we do okay for rain, you know, especially uh, the valley I live in. We can regularly get, you know, 80 millimeters of rain in one day. So we we get plenty of mud practice. We basically have, uh, we have nice sunny going to the beach season and then we have riding in mud season. And it's, it's definitely right in the middle of riding in mud season at the moment. 
that's kind of great because it forces you to overcome it. I mean, here, I think, you know, a lot of people will avoid mud because you can do it. You just avoid those trails. If it's too wet out, you don't bother going, they'll avoid it. But it's nice to be forced to deal with it because then you build your skills. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one thing it really does is all this rain is it makes the gravel roads really nice. You know, when the gravel roads get dry and loose and dusty, it's, you know, it's, it's challenging. But when they're wet and tacky and everything's all firm and loads of traction and you get no dust, it's, yeah, gravel road riding this time of year is actually pretty good. As long as you can feel your fingers. Yes, that's true. So wet gravel is obviously easier than dry gravel. That's a, that's a good note to make. It definitely seems to be that way, yeah. Even the, the water and the moisture sort of makes it hold all together and it's less skatey and loose. And obviously the, the vision is huge. Yeah, less ball bearing like. Yeah, yeah. And of course you don't have the dust yeah. to deal with. Yeah, you don't have the dust, which is always nice. What, what do you guys like for gravel roads? Uh, New Zealand's got a huge, huge network of gravel roads. Um, there's, uh, I went to school on a gravel road. Uh, yeah, you can do thousands of kilometers of gravel road in New Zealand. Uh, but especially in the North Island, it's very, very windy. So like a, a 50, 60 kilometer an hour average speed is is pretty realistic on, on our advent, on our gravel roads. So you're constantly, constantly cornering. You're always on the edge of the tire, uh, which is great for skills, but uh, it can be fatiguing. I, I think to, to, to start off, we should probably talk about um, concepts that we'll have to understand for this. And I, and I think the big one is peg weighting. That's sort of the elephant in the room that we have to deal with. It. Is that right? Yeah, it's definitely, it's good to get that glossary of terms uh, understood and out of the way first. So we're, we're all on the, on the same page and yeah, Peg weighting, peg steering, weight shifting, it's, it's all kind of the same thing, I guess. Um, then we have, you know, inside, outside foot peg, uh, obviously relating to the corner. Yeah. Well, so let's, let's look at peg weighting then just to begin with. And so I know that there's, there's some uh, information out there on the internet. Of course, there's all kinds of information on the internet, but there's some that says peg weighting doesn't matter. In other words, which side you push on doesn't really matter. How do you respond to that? It definitely matters to me. And uh, what, what's been re really good is, uh, you know, Jim, you, you got in contact uh, about doing this episode. And then uh, I went and did a, a two-day adventure ride. We did a camping trip out to a, a new trail, a new area I haven't been to for, well, I've never been to before. Actually, I've been in the area. I've never experienced this trail before. So I had you in my head the whole time. And I've been playing around with these techniques and, you know, does peg weighting work? Oh, well, let's try it. You know, let's go through this corner leaning on the inside foot peg. And like, okay, right. let's try the same sort of corner leaning on the outside foot peg. Yeah, definitely something with my with my coaching. I'm very very paranoid about is is not teaching people what I think is right. I've got to go and experience it. I've got to figure it out. I've got to see what other people are doing and 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 do that research and I guess back up my own opinion. And you asking me to do this episode was another. Uh, uh, instigator of, of doing a whole bunch more research on this gravel cornering whilst enjoying a, a really cool ride. And yeah. So when it comes to peg weighting, are, are we talking about peg weighting? Like is peg weighting when you're standing up or when you're sitting down or both? Uh, you can totally be peg weighting when you're sitting down and uh, an experienced road rider, especially a more aggressive road rider will tell you there's a uh, peg weighting is a huge, huge part of, of, of road riding. Um, creating that traction, creating that drive, tightening your line mid-corner is uh, peak weighting is, is a huge part of that. So that crosses over into off-road riding as well. So do you have a... a Sorry, sit, sitting down riding. <laughs> do you have a, um, a, a way to describe how you see peg weighting working? Yeah, so for off-road riding, uh, and anytime I say off-road riding, I'm meaning gravel as well. That's uh, something I just can't stop myself saying. Um anything that's not tar, asphalt, mm -hmm. um, the rule that we always have is always the outside. So we're driving, when there's any load on the tire, any big traction requirement, we're pushing on that outside foot peg at times really aggressively. Um, and coming back to seated cornering, you know, if we're trying to create a really aggressive drive out of the corner, maybe more sort of an enduro race bike sort of stuff, um, the analogy I give the guys for, getting as much speed out of a corner as possible, traction out of a corner when it's loose and we're sitting down, uh, is try to snap the outside foot peg off. Like, don't push on it. Try and snap the flimmin' thing off the side of the motorbike. And right. When you get it right, you can really feel the tire dig in and, and, and propel you forwards. 
And it has, it has everything to do with leverage, doesn't it? I mean, you're levering the tire into the ground. And, and the way I was thinking of, of explaining it is if you look at the, the, the spot, the foot pegs were, were mounted, there's, there's a plane there between the two of them that the bike almost pivots there, doesn't it? So when you're pushing on one side, it's, it's almost pivoting in a way like imaginary, but I mean, it's almost pivoting in between those two pegs. Yeah. Yep. For sure. The, the big, the way I try and picture it the whole time is I try and think of everything from the perspective of the contact patch of the tire. You know, theoretically, the only bit of the bike that's touching the ground, hopefully. Um, and thinking about how my foot peg weighting, how my body position is going to influence what that bit of the bike that's touching the ground is going to experience. So if I'm going through a left-hand corner and I'm leaning on my inside left-hand foot peg, I feel like that weight is going to be pushing that contact patch away. It's going to be pushing it to the outside, making, creating that slide. So if I'm trying to be a show off, I'm trying to do a big YouTube video and look at me, I can do a great big slide through this corner. I'll be pushing on the inside foot peg, trying to make the back end of the bike step out. I, I wait the inside to show off basically. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to make the corner smooth, correct, efficient, I'm trying to push that contact patch into the ground, ground that tire, create that connection as hard as I can. So I'm pushing on the opposite foot peg, on the outside foot peg, to try and wedge that tire into the ground. And that also has uh, that has benefits to your body position as well. So it's it's going to make you focus your weight more to that outside, so that when the tire does slide and drift and move on that gravel, it's going to take you with it rather than the bike sliding out from underneath you. I think where the um, where the the issue gets clouded a little bit was where people think of a weight distribution. They think that well, if you stand on your pegs, you see still the same weight on the motorcycle. So why would it matter one side or the other? But back to that leverage thing that I was saying, if you were if you were riding along a, a hill that was um, a, a slope, let's say, and the slope was going up to your on your left, so it goes above your head on your left and, and below on the right, and you you push on that uh, left foot peg with the uphill foot peg. If you think of the the leverage, really what you're doing is you are levering that tire off the ground, aren't you? You're, you're actually yep. forcing yep. it to slide down. Whereas the other way, you're levering the tire into the ground. So it's not just, it's not even just weight transfer, but it's actual leverage itself. Like you're, you're applying yep. leverage to that contact patch by using yep. the outside peg. For sure. And that's something that we, uh, we learned in the early days of trials riding, um, you know, if you you're going across that, uh, that that slippery off camber hillside on a trials bike, and you're hanging off the downhill side of it, leveraging on that outside downhill foot peg as hard as you can with all your weight out the side of the bike, almost like you're feels like you're throwing yourself off down at the side of the hill, which can feel a little bit scary at times. Surely it would feel safer to lean into the hill mm-hmm. and keep your body weight as close to the hill as possible. But again, when you think about it from the perspective of the tire contact point and you know, where the tires touching the ground. That's just forcing it down that hill. So that's the added the added benefit, really, of weighting the, the peg that's going to lever your contact patch into the ground is that your body shifts automatically, doesn't it, really, when you step out and you put that weight out there? It will shift a bit automatically. Um, it'll shift a lot more if it's a uh, intentional movement. So the number one thing I always try and teach guys, um, like the first thing I'll always teach anyone, whether it's a, an adventure bike school, a, an enduro school, a hard enduro school, whatever it is, is our correct basic body positioning. And it's all about the use of your hips. So if you have your hips tucked underneath you, if you're standing up really tall with your, sort of your butt tucked underneath you, that really reduces your mobility from side to side. And, and you can try this at home. You know, If you stand up really tall, stand up nice and straight like you're on guard duty sort of thing and try and move your butt around, you can't move your hips very far. If you crouch down a little bit, push your hips back and fold through your hips so you're kind of sticking your butt out the back a bit, then you can really shake your ass. You can really wiggle your hips around. You can create a lot more movement this way. And that crosses over really well into cornering. That extra mobility allows us not only to weight that outside foot peak, but to really swing the hips to the outside and and create a lot more pressure and traction on that outside of the motorbike. And I thought this was all about tire weighting and weighting the outside footprint. That's how I understood and how I feel it to be on the motorbike. And that's the way I described it all during our uh, our Say No to Slow uh, online video coaching series. 
And I got in touch, uh, a guy called Mark Nesbitt got in touch with me and uh, said, oh, I love your video series. It's been great. It's transformed my writing. Really like what you've done. But all your physics explanations are completely wrong. And what you think <laughs> is happening is not what's happening. Oh, no. um, That's horrible. I was like, oh. and my initial, initial reaction was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. I know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> Ban then, this guy. Uh, said, well, I, yeah, who is this dude? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then he said, oh, I'm uh, one of the chief, I'll, I'll get it wrong, I'm going to murder this, but uh, I'm one of the head physicists for the European Space Agency. Uh. Oh, oh, maybe this dude does know what he's talking about. And he said, don't, don't worry, though. Your physics understanding is wrong, but so is everybody else's. I'm pretty sure everyone else is wrong. And do you want to work with me? Do you want to figure out what's actually happening here? I'm like, okay, but do you realize I'm a moron? I'm, not, I'm no physicist, so started off in the same process we started off here today. Uh, we went through that glossary of terms and I had to kind of brush up on my physics and we worked out what we're actually doing. And I, I apologize to Mark, I'm going to murder his hard work here. Um, is we're reducing the slip angle in the tire. So the physics of how a motorbike goes around the corner, you have, you have a slip angle in the front tire. That's why our front tires, when we run knobbly front tires on the tire, they wear in really weird ways. You know, it doesn't wear across the top of the tire like you'd think it would. So the slip angle is that there's a track where the tire is supposed to go, theoretically should go, but it's actually sliding outward. Yeah, and often, you know, when you're going through a tire corner, your front tire is not actually exactly pointing where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. Um it's not a, a direct roll sort of thing. There's there's slip angle in here. Uh, that's why you know like the the inner edge of your front tire when they're knobbies, they always wear in a really odd, strange angle, and they're actually wearing but by because they're slipping and rotating slightly rather than just wearing contact on contact. Oh, that's what it's from. It's from the corner. Yeah, that's what it's from. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's from the corner. Um, this was that was my response too. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So by moving all this weight to the outside and weighting the outside foot peak, swinging through your hips, all that sort of stuff that we're talking about, we're really reducing that slip angle, that rotation, that slip in the, in the front tire. What that's doing is it's putting way less load in the tire, less slip, more traction. So that's the super clever physicist guy giving us the actual science behind what I know through years and years of experience. So it was really, really interesting, and and I, I apologize to Mark. I've probably butchered it, um, but I, I think there's there's much more uh, there's much more in this that are actually drilling down to the real off road physics of what's going on. And, and the, the the challenging thing is there's just so many factors involved. You know, we've got suspension and traction and tire movement and all these other factors to involve. But yeah. So, so let me just make sure that, that I have this. So, so what you're saying is the, the weighting is like, in other words, hanging your weight out to the outside peg is reducing the slip angle, which is the amount of slide, I guess, that the tire has. I know it's not really sliding, but the, the slide sideways it has yeah. um, away from its natural curve, or at least the curve you want it to take. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's what it's, what it's doing for you. And that gives you extra, that, that traction you've wasted, I guess, as you're sliding it with the slip angle is then added to your traction for stiction to the road. Yeah. I think a great way to think about it is it, the, the, um, the physics term for it is literally slip angle. You know, what are we trying to get rid of? We're trying to get rid of slip. <laughs> yeah. right. The less slip, the better. Uh, drift is fine. Drift is fun. Slip is not fun. Um, yeah, and so I know if I go through a gravel corner and I wait, if I move my weight to the inside, if I weight the inside tire, if the traction's really good, if the traction's really consistent, I can go through there no problem whatsoever leaning to the inside, no dramas whatsoever. But as soon as there's any change or any reduce, reduction in traction, it feels like that front end's just going to let go on me. So that margin for error is really, really narrow. If I get all my weight up over the outside, if I'm hanging got my head out over the my outside thumb, weight to the outside, if the traction changes mid-corner, I couldn't care less. 
I, I feel like I've got so much more to work with uh, when that weight's up over the, over the outside of the bike. So much more range of, uh, of getting away with stuff. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're, you're right on edge. Like like when you're leaning in. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When, you, when you're leaning to the inside, you're right on the edge there. You're, you're, you're fighting like, like we all know that feeling when the front end starts to go down. And yeah. so you're fighting that feeling all the time. Whereas the other way, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, you can slide it. You can do whatever you want. Cause you're, you're on the outside. You, you, you're not even, yeah, you're not even really thinking about what you're doing mid corner. Your head's up, you're looking to the next one, you're yeah. looking ahead, you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch rather than, <laughs> ooh, 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 give me the what's going on here? Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got, I don't got it. Yeah. 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 So, um, th- how do you know, how do you know when you should be leaning to the outside, when you should be leaning to the inside? What's your cue? Um, for me, uh, personally, uh, it's because the, the leaning to the outside stuff is so built into me. Like it, it's something that I never really had to learn. It's, I guess riding off road my whole life, it was just, you know, the back of my brain went leaning to the inside feels scary. Let's just link the outside all the time. So for me, there's, there's no real discussion there. And this is coming back to my ride the last couple of days of trying to think about it more. And I was playing around with that leaning to the inside more. The times I can get away with lean, I could get away with leaning to the inside um, was when the traction was really, really good. When there was, uh, you know, you get like the, the little, the, the positive cambers created by the vehicle ruts and gravel roads, yeah. you know, the, the dishing. If I could lean into that positive camber, I had something to hold my tires. Yeah, no problem. I can do it. Um, but I never really wanted to. I think that for me personally, the only benefit to leaning to the inside was it felt like it was less physical movement, less, less effort to do that. Um, so, you know, obviously there's moving through the outside, moving your weight. There's quite a bit of physical work and, and movement, body movement involved in that. Whereas the lean to the inside felt probably more relaxed. And I could just ugh, flop my weight gently onto the inside foot peg and the bike would go around the corner. But I did feel like I was more on edge the whole time. But if you were, if you were doing off-road racing or something where there's grooves cut, you'd definitely be on the inside. Um, if I was doing off-road racing, I would be going through a big, like a big corner rut sort of thing. Yeah. I would be on the seat. I would be cranked right over. It's, it's a very, very different technique. And yeah, you, I would still actually be waiting the outside foot peg. Oh, okay. But I would have so much lean angle on. Um, it would look like I'm kind of all my weights to the inside, but it's a very, it's not adventure riding. It's no, no, it's not a big part. And, of and it. just to yeah. be clear too, with what you're saying is we're talking gravel here. We're talking dirt. What many people refer to as off-road stuff. We're not talking asphalt because asphalt, you lean to the inside. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something, this is a real personal struggle that I had, you know, I got into motorcycle riding as only as off-road riding. My parents were like, very, very adamant that there was no road bikes in our lives. So as I started to get into adventure bike riding more, I just rode the thing on the street exactly like a dirt bike. And I was getting along fine, leaning to the outside, getting the bike cranked right over. And I had absolutely no chicken strips on the side of my tires on the road. Like, I'm, I'm, I've got this dial. I'm doing good here. Mm-hmm. And then I went riding with a road rider who, uh, a friend of mine who's a good road rider. He's like, nah, dude, you're doing it all wrong. And you've got no chicken strips. You've got way too much lean angle on and you're about to crash and you've got to figure this out. Yeah. As, but for me, the whole leaning to the inside, you know, dropping your elbow, leaning to the inside mid corner uh, on the road, it felt terrifying. It was the opposite of everything that my brain wanted to do. It, <laughs> it felt like committing suicide. Right. And so I'd be coming into this corner. Okay, just give it a go. Give it a go. It's on, it's on, it's on, And then once I was there, I was like, actually, the bike really, really likes this. And I'm going through the court. It's amazing how good yeah. it feels, isn't it? And, and you have less lean angle. You have far more control. Yeah. You can keep your line better. It's, it's, it just makes yeah. the corner right on yeah. the asphalt. So I, it, in some ways, it's almost like uh, on, the, on the asphalt, we're trying to reduce lean angle. On the gravel, we're trying to create lean angle mm. while still having traction. Are you trying to create it though, or or is it just a, a product of what you have to do? For me personally, I am trying to create it. I'm trying to get that bike cranked over and cranked down as much as I can. Um, and my body position, my foot peg weighting, my hips is really, really crucial to be able to create that lean angle. You know, a motorbike has to go around a corner straight up, uh, so leaned over. They don't go around corners straight up and down. Mm-hmm. So even when we're you know, MotoGPing, hanging off the side of the bike, 
We're not trying to eliminate lean angle. We're trying to reduce lean angle. And remember the angles those guys are working with, like the things that, you know, even when they're hanging off the inside and scraping their elbow on the ground, the bike's still at like 45 degrees. They're trying to reduce it, but they're not trying to eliminate it. Yeah. On the gravel, we've still got to create some lean angle. The physics of a motorbike uh, require that. So we're trying to be able to create motorcycle lean angle while still having the pressure on the outside foot peg and pressure over those tires to create the traction. So I'm basically on the street, I'm hanging off the inside. On the out, on the gravel, I'm trying to, to push the bike underneath me to create some lean angle to get the thing to turn. And it's really important for not drifting wide on the exit of your corners. I guess on, on the MotoGP, they're doing the same thing. They're, they're trying to eliminate slip angle. I mean, it's impossible to eliminate, but they're they're trying to to eliminate that slip or reduce it. Or yeah, maybe, or it's, maybe it's I'm amazing. going somewhere we shouldn't go. I don't know. I don't think <laughs> we should go there because I don't 100% understand it either. And okay. I'm going to start muddling Let's, it up. <laughs> Let's Those not go guys down. are wizards. Uh, I think a good way to describe it is different sport. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like downhill skiing versus cross country skiing. Don't know, don't ski. Well, well, okay. (laughs) So so downhill skiing, obviously going downhill cross country, you know, you're sort of skating along and and often people will think of, you know, it's skiing. Well, they're completely different, completely different uh, discipline. Right. The skill is all all different. So uh, we we briefly talked about uh, standing versus sitting. And I know there's always this, everybody, you know, gets into this standing versus sitting argument Mm -hmm. and what you're doing because people talk about center of gravity and they talk about center of mass. What's your take on that? My take on it is you should never put yourself in a box as a rider. So a lot of guys are like, I'm a stand-up rider. I stand up all the time. Like, okay, that sounds like hard work. Uh, and then you have, nope, I'm, I'm a sit-down guy. I sit down all the time. Like, hmm, that sounds restrictive. I always try and coach my guys into learning the correct techniques for riding sitting down, the correct techniques for riding standing up, have both of them practiced up, both of them familiar and then be able to deploy whichever feels right in the situation for you. And sometimes you might ride down the trail standing up for half an hour because that feels good. Then your legs might get tired. You might ride sitting down for half an hour. And you've got these both skill sets locked away and you're able to deploy what feels right in the situation. Um, interesting for me, uh, the, the bike design has a, a really big factor on whether or not you should sit down or stand up. So if you consider like uh, a big twin cylinder bike, like a GS or uh, the big KTM 1190s, that sort of thing. Where you can actually sit on the motorbike is determined by the design of the bike, the, the seat, the tank, that sort of thing. And most of those bikes, when you sit, your weight will be acting behind the swing arm pivot. Whereas if you think of like um, a light dual sport bike, like uh, a KTM EXC uh a Honda CRF 450 or something like that. The seats are much flatter. You can get right up the front of the seat and you can sit in front of the swing arm pivot. And that seems to be the big determining factor as to how tight a corner you can go through on the gravel uh, sitting down versus standing up. On the smaller bikes, when you can sit in front of the swing arm pivot, you can weight that front tire up, push the bike down to the ground and keep the weight balance really good because you can sit wherever you want. Uh, On the bigger bikes that's push you too far back behind that swing arm pivot, they're the sort of bikes that you have to be standing up more for the tighter corners. So when we do a little bike school, we'll give the guys you know, a rough rule of thumb, which is if the corner is greater than 90 degrees, most guys on a small bike, on an enduro style bike, will sit down for that corner. They'll drop to the front of the seat, crank the bike down using your seated corner technique and go through that tighter corner, you know, the, a big 180 sort of thing, sitting down. And if you watch what's happening in like the World Enduro Champs and that sort of stuff, that's exactly what's happening. If the corner's less than 90, you can do whatever you want. You can stay standing if you prefer. You, you can sit down if you like. On the bigger bikes, on the big adventure bikes, and the big twin cylinder bikes, bikes that require you to sit behind that swing arm pivot, the rule's a bit different. We'll tell the guys, if the corner's less than 45 degrees, so little, nice, mellow, easy turns, Stay sitting down if you want. There's no real need to stand up for those because you, you're not loading the tires up quite so aggressively. We don't have to get that weight to the front tire to pull those off. If the corners start getting tighter, that's when we need to be up on the pegs and those big bikes to get that weight weight forwards, especially on the exit, the last third of the turn, to keep that front tire locked in. So bike design has a, has a really big play on that. And then you get outliers like the, 
the KTM 790 and bikes like that, where you can almost sit in front of the foot pegs and it's kind of vague and blurry. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's kind of <laughs> you're saying where that's we're at better. With that. It is, yeah. I mean, it's and it's yeah, something. You know, no, you're been, a KTM guy, Chris. I'm not gonna. No, oh, no. No. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Fair point. Now that is a fair point. <laughs> you're you're but biased, but, uh, but I expect you're being you're quite honest. Yeah, but, but, but that that is a beautiful description you just gave, though. That that is fantastic, and really makes it easy to understand what you're talking about about waiting that front tire. I, I want to ask you about just in a, as a little side note with waiting the front tire. You're talking about it in, in in a gravel situation, a dirt situation. When it comes to mud. There are times, I'm just, I'm looking for you to either confirm or, or, or argue this point. There are times when you don't want to wait that front tire. Is that correct? There are times, definitely there's times where you don't want to wait the front tire. Um, sand is probably the biggest one. Mm, um, right. You know, if, if you're really aggressively driving that front tire off the ground and sand, it's not going to end well. Um, mud's tricky. If you've got a good aggressive front tire, that you do still want to get that weight in there and push those bikes those knobs down into that mud to make it turn and make it do what you need it to do to stop it sliding and uh, and um and drifting around the place if it's more of a, like a 50 50 sort of tire that's not going to bite that's not going to grip then uh no spikes involved then we're not waking up quite so aggressively so when we go into a big mud section i often have in my a quick think in my head like which front tire am i running Oh, I've got my, you know, I've got my E12 on the front. Right, I can push this thing into the ground. Oh, no, I've got my EO7. Okay, I better mellow this one out a bit. Right, yeah. so it's everything to do with traction. It, you know, if you're, if you're not going to get the traction on that, you don't want to wait that front tire because that puts you down real fast. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the harder you push that tire into the ground, the more traction it's going to have. But if it's never going to make any traction because it's, you know, a more road-biased tire on, on slippery mud, Ah, then you're probably just going to push it out the side more than it. The, the, the negatives are going to outweigh the positives. Yeah. And do you find that, that it, that's more um, accentuated with a, an adventure bike, a big, heavy adventure bike, as opposed to a lighter bike? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the biggest thing we sort of struggle, we come across, you know, especially, you know, we're talking before about how muddy and slippery it is at the moment is uh, if you want to go and ride your big adventure bike off-road in New Zealand at the moment, even, even the gravel roads, you've got to have an aggressive, more knobbly front tire. It's just, it's just not going to work any other way. We're going to take just a quick break. I got a couple of things I want to tell you about, and I think you're going to want to hear about those. And then when we come back, we get a lot more to talk about from Chris. Stay with us. Well, I've got a device on my bike that I really, really enjoy, and that's the Atlas Throttle Lock. Now, it's not a lock to lock your throttle or something in case it was stolen, in case you haven't heard of a throttle lock before, you might have a different picture. This is to hold your throttle position while you ride, you know, kind of like a cruise control, except that it doesn't adjust your throttle, obviously, automatically. It holds the throttle in one position wherever you have it locked. And the nice thing about this one is that you can easily adjust it. You, you're going up a hill, you have to add some more throttle, you roll a little bit on, you're going down a hill, you can back the throttle off, and wherever you let go, that's where it stays again. That continuous adjustment is key because you're going to need to adjust from time to time while you're riding with throttle lock. Nothing better than having that smooth transition from one speed to another. The Atlas throttle lock, speaking of smooth and tra transition, is smooth and precise throughout. I mean, this thing is, is a beautiful piece. The engage and disengage buttons, just two buttons. When you press the button to engage, you feel the quality. It's a, a positive engagement. Disengage, it's another positive, clean click. You know what's happening with these buttons without having to look at them. Again, this is key because when you're riding, you don't want to look at your throttle lock. You don't want to look at your thumb. You don't want to look at the handlebars. You want to keep your eyes on the road. This is truly craftsmanship at its finest, something you don't see a lot nowadays. AtlasThrottleLock.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. AtlasThrottleLock.com. See and be seen. That's what they say at Cyclops Adventure Sports. Cyclops is known for their amazing lighting that they make for us motorcyclists, helping us see and be seen. And of course, seeing while you ride. I mean, even if you don't ride at night, an auxiliary light setup will make you more obvious to others on the road during the daytime. And this is really key because the problems with other drivers they often just don't see motorcyclists. So the, the more conspicuous you can make yourself, the better off you are. And that's the whole point of see and be seen. Um, Cyclops specializes in, in all types of lighting for the bikes. 
including their Evo safety inserts, which, which these are really sweet. These turn your, your turn signals into driving lights in the front and then into brake lights in the back. So for my bike, they just didn't do anything until you actually put on your signals. But now in the front, they're very, very bright white lights. And in the back, they're extremely bright LED brake lights. So you tap the brakes, it's got the center brake light and those side lights, really sweet setup. Anyway, the website is cyclopsadventuresports.com. Anytime you deal with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, cyclopsadventuresports.com. Well, certainly this episode of Rider Skills just again accentuates the need for high quality foot pegs that are designed specifically for adventure riding. And of course, the company that has a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs is IMS Products. The IMS have been making parts for um, 40 plus years, I think. They make them for motorcyclists and, and racers. As a matter of fact, I think almost every racer, if not everyone that's a podium finisher for off-road racing has some IMS product on their bike. So that, that speaks volumes. That gives you an idea of the quality. But um, they, they do an incredible job designing these foot pegs. They're not just punched out just as foot pegs. They're designed for adventure motorcycling. They take leverage into account. They take your foot position and, and your control position into account. Um, they're designed to drop the mud back out so they don't pack up and stay there. If you're riding on IMS already, you know it. If you aren't, have a look at their website. IMSproducts.com is the website. And make sure you mention you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio anytime you're talking with them. IMSproducts.com. Okay, well, um, let's get into the the gravel corner then. Um, I think we're we're sort of set up well for it. So I guess um, to begin with, what are the problems with the uh, gravel corner? The problems are you've got a very loose, skatey, moving surface. That's obviously uh, the, the biggest issue. Um, the other issue we often come across is, you know, vehicle ruts, uh, you know, dishing in the corners caused by the vehicle, uh, by, by four-wheel drives and cars. That can be a, a real uh, real issue that we, you know, you have a rut, a crown, a rut, a crown as we go, go across the road left to right. Um, yeah. And often, uh, you know, blind for us around here anyway, you know, blind corners, uh, decreasing radius corners, all that sort of stuff that we all, all need to be dealt with. So where do we start? Is, is it assessing the corner? Uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, vision is, is such a huge part and working on that vision as far down the, the road as you can. Early warnings, no late reactions, good intended positive inputs rather than riding proactive, not reactive. Um, once we've decided what we're going to do, uh, the, the biggest thing, obviously, is getting the braking right. So the first inputs that we put into the bike, we need to keep the bike balanced, keep the bike under control. So a really good, strong braking position is very, very important. Um, and the mistake I find a lot of guys make is they they lean back too far through their upper body, through their head. So when they go to lean back, it's it's the arms straighten out, the head comes up high, and it's, a, it's an upper body lean. Whereas what we want to be doing is actually pushing the hips back more. And the a great way to describe it is imagine you're standing in the kitchen and you want to push the kitchen drawer closed with your butt. So you're just pushing your hips backwards without sort of leaning all the way out the back of the bike through your upper body because then you just fall over backwards. So trying to push those hips back, get that weight towards the back of the bike without limiting your arm uh, running out of arms uh, or getting into an unstable position. So it's really important that we're breaking for the corner smoothly, effectively. And the first thing we do is not creating instability, not creating slides or, or anything like that. Just nice, smooth braking coming into the turn. So to scrub off the speed as you're approaching the turn. Absolutely, yeah. And you're sliding and back so that you're not having the, the bike topple over forward. Is that what you're saying? That sort of aggressive stuff? yeah. Yeah, we don't want too much rotation coming into that chassis, especially considering that we have, you know, adventure bikes, we have long travel suspension, we have soft suspension, we don't want the front dipping down way too much, the back end unloading and the chassis rotating too much coming into that corner. That's going to obviously reduce your stability. We want the front end to drop, we want that pressure on the front tire, but we don't want it to be excessive. Mm, So a big part of that, uh, that breaking into the turn is actually trying to get that bit of drop, that bit of pressure into the front tire. If we just roll into the corner without any deceleration, there's not that transfer of weight forwards. The front tire is not heavy and the bike's not going to want to turn so well. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So this, this, this is really key that that whole braking isn't just because you're, you're going too fast for the corner. That's actually setting you up with that weight transfer onto the front tire. Absolutely. So yep. that makes a lot of sense the way you describe it. Yeah. You've got to pitch the thing forwards a certain degree. To, to get to get it to turn, make that front heavy. It's interesting because often people talk about dive, you know, and they, and they hate dive. You know, they say, oh, the bike dives too much and maybe the case in, 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 with some bikes. But um, it's interesting to hear hear you describe it as this is part of what you need to do, what you want to do. It's how you're you're using the bike to set up for control in the corner. So that that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously we, we only want so much that it's not like a stomp on the front brake, right? Smash the front end down <laughs> to the ground. Uh, that's that's not what we're talking about right. here. These Especially are not subtle gravel, shifts. But just yeah, subtle shifts. Trying to play, uh, but I guess as the speed as as the aggression comes up, um, they they become less and less subtle. But definitely, uh, you know, loose gravel corners, that sort of stuff. I'm not by no means am I saying right now haul on that front brake and smash that front tire into the ground because you're. You might not quite get what you're asking for. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so um, now body position. Where? What is our body position? I guess you should probably take it, you know, step by step, right? Start at the foot pegs maybe and go up? Yep. So the the training cue that we have for the, um, for the corners is back out forwards. So that's something in a long day when there's corner, corner, corner. I'll just start saying that to myself as I start to get a bit tired. If I start to get a bit sloppy, you know, back out forwards, back out forwards. So hips come back to break as we enter the turn. As we enter the turn, my hips are back and my hips come to the outside. So I'm starting to initiate that bike down to the turn. And I am using a bit of inside foot peg weight at that point to kind of create that lean angle, push that bike down to the turn. And I'm trying to do this with my inside foot peg and with my outside knee. So I'm trying to lean the bike into the turn, pitch the bike into the turn. Knee into the tank sort of thing. Yeah, with the minimum amount of counter effort that I have that I can get away with. Mm. Uh, especially on loose gravel, the more counter I have, again, the more slip I'm putting into that front tire, the more chance it's going to mess around on me. So I'm tr- trying to leave my handlebars alone as much as I possibly can. Again, Mark, the physicist, will tell me this is, not true, uh, that I must be, I must be putting some counter steer efforts in and I probably am, but it's definitely not where I'm focusing my attention. So yeah, hips have come back to break and then I push with my outside knee, push with my inside foot peg and I'm leaning the bike into the turn, but I'm leaning my hips, leaving my hips behind. So that essentially keeps my hips to that outside point. So it looks like it's a weight shift to the outside, but it's more that I push the bike into the turn and left my hips in the same place. Uh, Did that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. Now I'm wondering how much of a hip shift, like when we talk about that, can you describe it like, you know, in inches or something like that or centimeters yep. so people can understand it? It depends entirely on how tight the corner is and how much of a concern I have for traction. So if it's a mellower corner, if it's really good firm gravel, nice and moist, no no real scare for traction, it's not a very big movement at all. Um, if it's loose, sketchy, horrible, traction's an issue, it's quite a big movement. It's, it's everything that I can do, to be honest. It's full, full hip flexion. Now, is there any um, uh, advantage or disadvantage in, in overdoing it, or or is there where is there a side to air on? Would you air on leaning out more, or wait the until only, you need it? Yeah, the only issue you will get is if you lean too much to that outside and you get too much weight out there, it's going to feel like you're asking the bike to turn left and right at the same time because yeah, your weight's right. going to be all a bit weird. So, a, a good way to describe this is. This allows you to lean the bike over a lot more to get that lean angle in the, in the, on that loose surface, to get that lean angle point to the where the bike's going to go around the corner properly. But it also requires you to. So imagine if I haven't lent the bike over that far, but I'm hanging off the outside of it like a champ, the bike's going to be like, what are we doing, bro? Are we going left or right here? Right. You've got to get that lean angle in there to be able to get that weight to the outside. Because a counter-steering exercise you can do is lean the bike over and then hang your weight to, to the other side and go in a straight line. And that, that's what we're, yeah. we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, that's what, exactly what we're talking about on, on your on your hillside analogy we talked about before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we, we've got to get the weight to the outside to create that traction. We've got to get, get the lean angle to create the corner. What are your arms like in that position? Um, I've always got my big wide position and uh, I, we call this the archer technique. So imagine you're drawing a bow, 
that's pretty much the same position you're going to have through your arms. So if I'm turning to the left, I'm going to point my inside hand basically to the left as if I'm pointing the bow, and I'm going to draw my outside elbow nice and hot, wide, and I end up with a good sort of box straight plane. So all the way through my shoulders, elbow, wrist on my left hand, shoulder, elbow, wrist on my outside elbow is all on the straight plane. But it looks like you're kind of drawing a bow. It seems to work really well with the kids anyway, that we call it the archer technique. So on the outside, you've got your elbow up high, your shoulder up high, on the yeah. inside, your elbow down low, shoulder down low, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, as much as I can. There were, there's times where I, I forget to do this, and this is a mistake that I personally have, and I, I need to try and remember it. But keeping that elbow wide, your elbow high, it's much better structure and strength for your shoulder. Imagine if you were trying to do a one-handed push-up sort of thing, you'd you'd push your elbow wide. You wouldn't bring your elbow in really tucked and try and do it through there. You've got mm-hmm. very little strength in your shoulder that way. So this is a real anti-crash sort of thing. We're not using this arm position to create more strength to boss that bike around. We're just trying to keep it for the upper body stability, for the head stability, that sort of thing. So trying to keep those elbows really wide. And that, that straight plane is a good analogy. Keeping the elbows wide is, is, is a big thing. And a lot of guys uh, always told me anyway, you know, elbows up, elbows up. Elbows up is good. I think elbows wide is a better analogy. Mm-hmm. And because it's doing, it's changed your hand position as well, isn't it? Even for the throttle. It is, it is. And also, you know, you don't want your elbows as high as you can get them. That's just really fatiguing and awkward and it puts you into a really uncomfortable shoulder position. So I think everything nice and soft and relaxed, but think elbows wide rather than elbows high. Now, what are we doing with the throttle? Um, the other, the analogy we have with this is we call it the rule of thirds. So the first third of your throttle should take three times as long as your last third. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the first third is your slowest, your slowest throttle change. Yeah. A good way to describe it is. So as we tip the bike into the turn, as we get the bike into the turn, as early as I possibly can, I'm trying to very gently start to wind on my power. So I'm powering gently, smoothly through the apex of the corner, especially important on that loose gravel. And a lot of guys will be waiting for this really clear signal like, okay, this is when I should open the throttle. You, you know, waiting for that balance, waiting for it to all feel good. You, on the loose scrabble, you actually have to create that feeling with the throttle. So it doesn't feel quite right. Okay, get the throttle open. And as soon as you start to wind on that power, you're going to feel the balance and the control come with that. So the throttle gets opened very, very gently, very smoothly before the apex. As we're going through the apex, we're starting to wind on the power a little bit more. As we start to stand the bike up and finish the corner, that's where the last third of the power starts to come in more and more aggressively, should you want to. So, yeah, first third, really smoothly and gently. Second third, a bit quicker. Last third, if you want to, whack it on. And as you're throttling out of the corner like that, that helps stand the bike up as well. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, Is there anything else we need to discuss about this? Uh, yeah, obviously the, the big, the big thing that we come back to all the time is vision. So a great way, the way I try and describe it to guys anyway, I shouldn't say a great way. The way I try and describe it is look to where you want to be. I find everyone always tells, you know, look up, look through the turn, look ahead, all that sort of stuff. For me, the, what rings true for me is look where you want to be. So as I'm approaching my corner, I want to be at the apex point. When I'm at the apex point, I want to be at the exit. So I'm looking at the exit. When I'm at the exit of the corner, I want to be at the entrance of the next one. Oh, I like that. So we're basically trying to use trying to use target fixation as a beneficial tool rather than a, an accidental negative thing. Mm-hmm. So as we all know, like you go wherever you look. And a lot of guys will tell you, no, it's target fixation. Be aware of target fixation. Watch out for target fixation. You know, you're riding down a trail, there's a rock on the trail. You hit the only rock on the trail. Yep. Every time. That's the, the evil, the evil of, of target fixation. But the positive of target fixation is you're going to go wherever you look. So if you're turning your head and looking through the corner, that's probably where you're going to go. So we're trying to use this as a, as a beneficial tool the whole time. And uh, a lot of the, the more beginner coaching that I do uh, these days, we, we rig the guys up with, with Cardo helmet communicators, and I'll be just following them along the road. 
and you see the guys start to drift wide, or he's drifting wide, and you can see them look in the ditch, like, oh, I'm getting this corner wrong, where's my exit plan? And I'll just scream at them through their helmet, like, eyes, 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 turn your head! And they, <laughs> they, they turn their head, they look where they want to go, and they just ride around the corner. Right. Yeah, no, target fixation is, is horrible if it's used wrong, for sure. Like you said, yeah. it's that rock that you see coming up. I mean, how many times have you done it, right? And you think, I oh, can't yeah. believe I just did that. I, I just can't believe I did that. Yeah, yeah. You know? But when but, you're talking about um, looking through where you want to be, it's continually moving, right? I mean, you're going to the corner and that's almost moving like as if you were projecting a flashlight beam. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that's a really good analogy. I like that. I'm going to use that. Mm, um, by all means. <laughs> and also... You know the the road guys. They talk about chasing the vanishing point. Mm-hmm. So where where the road disappears. Yeah. Um, same thing. Yeah. Right. It's kind of vague when you say look through the corner. I mean that's usually the description you get when you're making a corner is look through the corner, and it, and it's a little vague, and and I'm, I mean I can be a little unnerving if you feel like you know you're trying to look the furthest you can, and there's so much going on. But but the the yeah. one thing with, with, as you ride your corner, what you're talking about this this um looking where you want to be is you're scanning the ground as you're going along. You're, you're making a mental map as you're making your corner. Yeah. And your brain does a lot of that subconsciously. So if you imagine if you're looking 50 meters ahead sort of thing, your brain actually takes in a lot of what's happening in that 50 meters. So even though you're not really focusing on it, your brain really does take that, that in between stuff. It, it figures that stuff out really mm-hmm. well. But you've ridden behind those people that, that you, you, you can't believe it, but they hit every single pothole and every single rock that just get boom, 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 one after the other. And you're thinking, yeah. how are they okay. missing? Most this? people it does. <laughs> yeah. But the big thing as well to remember though is, imagine if we use this 50 meter mark, if your brain can't take in anything past that. So anything past that 50 meter point, if you, it, it, that's the surprise sort of thing. So we're trying to push that point out as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing I think is really important for gravel road riding, we talk about this a lot as well, is if you get a surprise, like, oh, that corner tightened up, any bad surprise you get, really use, let that resonate. Go, okay, I didn't see that tightening up. Why did I not see that tightening up? I didn't see it tightening up because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't looking far enough ahead, and that corner got the better of me. Right, I'm not letting the next corner get the better of me. Mm. And you need to let these little little scares these little surprises keep you on track to prevent the really big ones yeah that's a really good point you, you know what i what i always remind myself as about rather is um it's not the bike it's not the road it's not the trail it's me what did i mess up yeah. and, and i sort of take yeah. ownership for it so that it's a little humiliating i guess to yourself sometimes but i mean it um it certainly makes you realize or makes you learn better you know makes me learn yeah. better i can look at it and think that was me that did that what did i do wrong yeah and the real big thing to like you know we always say you got to learn from your mistakes right mm-hmm. so when you're trying to figure the sport out if you make a mistake go back and figure out what it was. Like if you stuff the corner up and you come out of the corner on the wrong side of the road, or it slipped around and you, you oh, I didn't get that very right. Turn around, go back, f- have a look on the ground. Was there something, did you miss some weird traction? Did you, was your vision wrong? Go back and run that corner again. Mm-hmm. You know, you will learn from your mistakes, but only if you actually take the time to do it. And uh, it's something I don't think adventure riders do very much of. Uh, we just go, oh, stuff that corner. Oh, who cares? Never riding around it again anyway. On with the show. <laughs> so what, one of them were teaching uh, the enduro bike stuff. If someone, you know, has a, I don't want to say crash, you know, if someone hits the deck, you know, slips out, falls over, that sort of thing, I don't let them leave until they've told me what's happened. Mm. So we have to go back and we have to do, you know, crime scene analysis and go, right, what what happened here? Why did you get this wrong? Why are you lying on the ground now? Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, and sometimes that takes a bit of figuring out. Like you've got to really have a decent look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's because I didn't see that tree root and I loaded up the tire on that tree root. And okay, right, I know not to do that now. You've got to learn from your mistakes. And that sometimes that takes a while. Do you have a bailout maneuver for you? You mentioned about, you know, you get into the corner and, you know, the corner is suddenly tighter than what you thought. It's a decreasing radius corner. Uh, whatever happens, maybe the, the traction is less on the outside of the corner than it was when you when you entered the corner. Do you have a bailout maneuver? Is there a, a secret thing that you can save it with? Uh, the one I always like to say is plan B is way more effort at plan A. 
another, so another words, is, you'd rather put your effort into plan A than having a plan B at all. No. So imagine you're coming to the corner, you're on plan A, everything's going great and it starts to tighten up. What do you do? You try way harder <laughs> <laughs> because nothing could be better than going around the corner. So True. In, again, like uh, coming back to gravel road sort of thing, unless there's a whole bunch of runoff, unless the farmers happen to leave the gate open, plan B is probably going to suck. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I remember somebody saying that one time about uh, the military and they said in the military, this was not too long ago, somebody told me when I was interviewing, they said in the military, they have a, a thing, they say, um, a plan is only good until somebody starts to shoot at you. And then they have a say in the plan, <laughs> right? And this is kind of what I'm thinking with the road. You know, you're, you're taking the road, you're making the corner and all of a sudden, oh, the gravel's covered in mud over here, you know, on the other corner. Well, now yeah. your plan is is not in control. Now the road has, has something, has a say in it, I guess. So in that in that moment, I'm doing more of everything. I'm doubling down. So maybe I was coming through the corner, you know, and, and again, we're adventure riding here. We're not racing. So I'm not at my absolute maximum. I'm not yeah. leaning as far out as I possibly can, I'm not pushing on the outside foot peg as hard as I can when I'm adventure riding because I'm adventure riding. Um, and that gives me reserves there. So if it does start to get tight enough or it does loosen up, I just do more of everything. I move my hips more. I, I weight the foot peg, foot peg more. I crank the bike down more because I've got more in, in reserves there. So that's where that plan B is more effort at plan A. Does that go for throttle as well? It does. Yep. So if the bike's starting to, if the front's starting to slide and rest around, yep, more throttle, get on that gas. No, we are going around this corner. <laughs> right. And the vision is a really, really big part of that. Like, no, 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 turn your head, look where you want to be because if, where I want to be is not in the ditch. Um, that very, very rarely ends well. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, our brains play tricks on us here. Like if it starts to tighten up, and, oh, I don't like this, you will instinctively look for a, a bail plan, you know, and that's often looking in the drain, looking in the ditch, and nothing good happens in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I'm really – and the eyes, again, is a really big part of that. And like I was, you know, saying, screaming at, at the students, eyes, eyes, eyes. I'm screaming at myself too, like, no, eyes, look where you want to go. Make this happen. <laughs> And then have a good solid chat to myself afterwards. Like, right, why did that sneak up on me? Why did I have to put all that effort in? Come on, self-assessment, vision, relax. Maybe you're trying to ride too fast. That often happens for me. Uh, yeah. And, and, and analyzing why that caught you out, why you had to do all that, why it didn't go smoothly. I love hearing somebody of your riding ability and your caliper say that you have to work on things. I mean, it just, I think for the rest of us, it, it makes us feel a little bit better about things because there's so much to learn for the average rider. And, you know, and when we're out there riding, you know, to see somebody like you ride, it looks like you do everything effortlessly. But that's what keeps the sport interesting, right? Like if it was just riding around the place without thinking about anything, that'd get boring. Absolutely. I mean, that's just one thing I love about this is there's always something else to learn for sure. Oh, it's, it's limitless, isn't it? Do, do we have anything else we, we need to talk about with the corner? Definitely. Um, a big thing that we, we talk about as well is, you know, when you've got, when you're sharing these roads with vehicles, trucks, cars, that sort of stuff, you get these little, uh, little mini ruts sort of dishes in the road. And it's really important to, to be aware of those. And you're basically going to have like a mini off camber, a negative camber, if you're on the wrong part of that. And you can have a mini positive camber, a mini berm, a mini velodrome, depending if you're on the right, if you're on the correct side of it. Right, so you want to be in the so, corner of it rather than on the top of it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So imagine if you – imagine a, a, a U-shape, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So in a – I hope I don't stuff this up. I'm going to pretend I'm riding on the wrong – sorry, on the right-hand side of the road, not the left-hand side of the road. Yeah, I accept we ride on the wrong side of the road. The rest of – way more people ride on the right side of the road than Definitely. the left. So accept that I'm in the wrong here. <laughs> This very, is my thing to figure out. <laughs> um, so a, a, a right-hand corner, we want to be oh, – sorry, oh, my gosh. I'm on the right side of the road in a left-hand corner. So we want to be on the right-hand side of that wheel rut, not in the bottom of the U because we've got no positive camera to work with there, not on the inside, the left-hand side of the U because that's going to create a negative slipping camber. We want to be on the outside in that pocket. So we're leaning against that side of the U, not on the flat. And that gives you so much more 
traction and you, you leave, you got something to lean into there. And looking for these ruts to be a helpful, positive thing is really, really important. It's like, oh yeah, there's a good camera on this one. I can lean into this one all the way around the outside, maximum uh, vision around the turn, maximum car clearance, all that sort of stuff. So these these cambers that create in the road it can actually be quite a, a beneficial tool if, if, if used correctly or something really sketchy used uh, incorrectly. So maybe you just say that you'd, you want to be on the outside of it, regardless of your left or right, doesn't matter. You want to be on the outside of it. Uh, on the yeah, out, for sure. And the outside of the groove. Now we're talking a negative one. We're talking one that's actually pushed down into the road because um, on the other side of that, if it was a big truck, for instance, you would have that big hump coming up on, on yeah. the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you you have the, the big crowns on the road, like that you have more in Canada and you have that sort of off camber side of it, that's where you've got to be really careful on those left-hand corners because you're, you have two options, basically. You have riding a, an adverse loose camber or you have being on the wrong side of the road mm-hmm. or not as far on the safe side of the road as you'd like to be. And honestly, the, the best advice is slow down until you can keep safe, keep keep to the right. Right. If you can't keep to the right, you're going too fast. Slow down until you can. Okay, makes sense. Anything else? Oh, what else have we got? No, I think that's pretty good. Have I answered any of your, any of your questions or are I just one more? No, you've answered, you've answered them all. I think you've come up with some great descriptions. I'm, I'm really pleased with the descriptions. I think that um, that uh, that is great. Uh, now, how about if somebody wants to go out and practice this? Do you have, um, I mean, other than going out and just making corners, are there any other methods that you use to teach people this? Um, yeah, the one thing we do for the adventure bike schools, we call it the Walmart car park practice drills. Um, so if we consider adventure riding like a sport, uh, which it is a sport, um, we need to go to practice. And a lot of guys don't practice enough. We only participate. So... If you wanted to get better at any sport, you wouldn't just go and do it once a month. You'd have to go, okay, you know, think of it like golf. You'd have to go and practice your chipping, practice your putting, practice your driving. You've got to break all these individual aspects down and go and practice them. And you can practice them. Ideally, you'd be on gravel, middle of the, you know, middle of nowhere, that sort of stuff. But that's not that accessible for a lot of people. A lot of people live in cities. They don't have the chance to do this. But you can practice all the body movements, the foot peg weighting, the, the inputs, in the Walmart car park after dark. Hmm. So we, yeah, you need to improve at your sport, to improve at your riding. You need time on that bike. And obviously the ideal would be to be out on the gravel, but doing it on a car park or down some industrial estate somewhere on the tar and just trying to adapt these techniques at low speed, get the movements familiar, the body moves, the time, all that sort of stuff familiar. That's the practice that you need to do to make sure that when you do get these opportunities to get out in the middle of nowhere, you're, executing practice drilled familiar stuff rather than, okay, this is when I try and figure all this stuff out now. Yeah. And, and if you're riding with somebody else and with a group or something like that, you're never going to go back and look at what you did wrong no. in the corner. You're just going to keep going and make the same mistake again and again. Yeah. And you, you've got to think of like your, those big adventure rides, the, the, the big rides out into the bush that maybe you get to do once a month sort of thing. They're game day. Yeah. That's, that's the match. That's the, that's the competition day. So you need to do the training before then you need to show up for practice for competition day to, to work properly. And do your basics. So we, That's what you're doing at practice. You're, you're practicing basics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just like every sport, it comes, everything comes back down to basics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you think that the top highest athletes in any sport, they'll still practice basics. I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. Do you cover this in the, in the video series that you have? Yeah, we do. Yep. A hundred percent. We've, cover it all at length with, with vision as well. So, uh, okay. So the video series you, you can download, I mean, it, it's a fantastic series. I, I, I've seen it myself. How does somebody get that? So the easiest way is just to go onto my website, uh, chrisbirch.co.nz. And that's, uh, you, there's a link you can click onto it, take you through to the Vimeo site that hosts that, uh, that say no to slow, um, adventure bike training series. Uh, within the next month, we'll have the, the enduro version, the, the dirt bike version. So it is more focused on on the bigger adventure bikes, the, the adventure version, and we're going to have the dirt bike version ready to go very soon. Wow, and you've been busy. Of, yeah, and we've put a lot of work into it. So to be honest, the, we didn't realize how successful and, and how well received this uh, adventure training one would be. So we've we kind of were very surprised at how how well it's been received. So we're tr- 
put a ton of effort into the dirt bike one to try and make it as good as we possibly can. Once we finish that, we'll start working on uh, Adventure Version 2. Oh, but wow. It's a, it, it takes a while. It's a lot of work. Well, the nice thing about it is uh, because this is on, it's on Vimeo, right? Yeah. yeah so, so you can... You, once you sign up, you, you've got it and you just keep going back and you can rewind and you can watch it again and go back and ride and come back and watch it again. Yep. Yeah, no. It's, and, it's, and we've enabled that you can download it, so you can download it. Uh, so you can download the content onto your ver- phone, onto your device, take it with you when you're riding. Right. Um, yeah, we've we've had some really cool videos and photos of guys like mid ride out there with their iPad. You're like, right. What was I supposed <laughs> to be practicing again? That, that's what really did he cool. Say? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Okay, well, we'll put that link in the show notes. Um, so if you have trouble finding it, just go to the show notes for this episode. Chris, thank you very much. I, I really enjoyed that. As always, always great fun sitting down and, and talking riding techniques with you. Um, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Only a pleasure. Thanks for your time. I was speaking with Chris Birch in New Zealand from his off-road and adventure bike training center. That video program that we mentioned that Chris puts out, uh, we have a link to that in the show notes for this episode on AdventureRiderRadio.com. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, MotoBreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and you, of course, the listener. Thank you very much for being a part of this. Hey, if you're not doing it already, we need your support. We'd love to get you on our monthly support program through Patreon, um, but any kind of support is much appreciated and we send out um, some stickers and different things like that. So drop by AdventureRiderRadio.com and click on support. We also have another show called ARR Raw. It's a separate show, separate subscription. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts. Search for Adventure Rider Radio Raw. And as well, we'd love to see your five-star review on iTunes. So drop by and do that. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Hi, this is Charlie Borman, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.